Coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. At my age, I'm 56, you have to rest two, three days between uh, exertions, right? So if I'm running, I have to wait two, three days before I run again. Whereas when I was younger, I would run every single day. And then the other thing is I learned about high-intensity interval training and VO2 max and getting my heart rate up to aerobic threshold to build my VO2 max because VO2 max is essential for longevity and physical fitness. And then, you know, C, circuit training at my age, I learned that it's stupid to try to lift heavy weights, that you want to bring your your weight down and then uh, do high reps and then do circuit training so that you keep your heart rate up. So it's always about cardiovascular fitness, but then adding strength on top of that and be consistent and don't get hurt. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interview Dr. Judson Brandeis. Dr. Brandeis is a board-certified urologist who practices men's health and sexual medicine in Northern California. He's also the lead author of the book, 21st Century Man, in which 60 board-certified doctors and men's health experts offer advice and insider secrets to maintain your physical, mental, and sexual health. We discuss the importance of optimal testosterone, along with habits to better your sexual health, cutting-edge technology to help build muscle, importance of increasing VO2 max, and Dr. Brandeis's P-Long protocol. I really enjoyed my interview with Dr. Brandeis. I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. My name is Brian Grin and I have Dr. Judson Brandeis on. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. We were introduced from Brad Kearns, good good podcast friend of mine, and uh, mentioned that uh, you're an author, you run a male sexual wellness clinic uh, in San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And the book that you have is called The 21st Century Man, which is right behind you there. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube. When did Absolutely. that book Yeah, when did that book come out? That was my COVID project. So I had to uh. shut down for about 3 months. And I'm one of those people, I'm a, a restless soul. And uh, so it started out as just a, a sexual medicine book, but the thing is sexual health is sort of at the top of the pyramid for middle-aged men. You know, for if you're 20, it's a different story. But if you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s, so many things in your life have to go right in order for you to have a rewarding sex life. You know, you have to have good physical health. You have to have good emotional health, good mental health, good relationship health. And if all those things align, then you can have good sexual health. And so, you know, it started out just a book on sexual medicine, but it kind of snowballed really quickly into a book that encompassed all aspects of men's health, including, you know, physical health, specialty health. Um, there's a whole section on relationship health, on emotional health, on addictions, on aesthetics, on uh, health insurance, uh, and then, you know, a huge section on sexual health and then other men's uh, physical issues and problems. So it really turned into a very cool project. Yeah, I think I feel like COVID was a time for 
to, to do things like that. That's when I started the podcast. I was like, uh, huh. you know, so it's a, it was, uh, you know, there were positives from COVID for sure. Uh, how long did it take you to write the book? It took about two years. Okay. Yeah. It took a little bit, not a little, it took a lot longer than I thought, but it, yeah. you know, it started out at 30 chapters and ended up to be 101 chapters and 900 pages. Oh, wow. But big? each chapter is like a little mini book hmm. unto itself. Uh, and they're really cool chapters. Like I've never seen in any men's health magazine or men's health book. Like for example, I have a friend, Russ Bartels, who's an outstanding uh, gynecologist. He wrote a chapter on what men, what men need to know about menopause. Right. I mean, that's huge for guys in their fifties and sixties. If you don't understand what's going on with your wife or your partner, uh, and if you don't understand what the aging vagina is all about, you know, you're going to be out in the cold. Uh, or there's a chapter on uh, written by a friend of mine who's an ER doc, Malcolm Johnson, on stupid things that men do to get themselves into the emergency room, right? So if you're 60 and you don't understand that it's a dumb idea for you to go up on a ladder to put Christmas lights up, then you're going to fall and break your hip. And guess what? You know, your pickleball career is over. Uh, well, so, you know, there's... Yeah, uh-huh. I, was, I was just going to say the book. So the book's like a collaboration from sort of contacts that you have throughout different professions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing is like, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Right. And so, but I know a lot of people that know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff. So, you know, there's chapters on eyes and sleeping and hearing and nutrition and exercise and stretching and mindfulness and yoga and uh, leaving a legacy and gratitude and uh, you name it, uh, health insurance. Was there one or two things that came up throughout the process that you never were aware of and that you started maybe implementing for yourself? Ah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I changed the way I train. Uh, so I do what I call ABC training. So A is for ambulate. So usually I'm either on my elliptical or running. Uh, B is for bike. So I have a spinner bike. And then C is for circuit training. So I learned, you know, at my age, I'm 56, you have to rest two, three days between uh, exertions, right? So if I'm running, I have to wait two, three days before I run again. Whereas when I was younger, I would run every single day. And then the other thing is I learned about high intensity interval training and VO2 max and getting my heart rate up to aerobic threshold to build my VO2 max because VO2 max is essential for longevity and physical fitness. And then, you know, C, circuit training at my age, I learned that it's stupid to try to lift heavy weights, that you want to bring your, your weight down and then uh, do high reps and then do circuit training so that you keep your heart rate up. So it's always about cardiovascular fitness, but then adding strength on top of that and be consistent and don't get hurt. You know, the other thing I learned is uh, the essentials for building muscle, especially at my age. So creatine. I put all my patients on creatine, two and a half grams before and after workouts, uh, hydration, uh, a nitric oxide booster. So it's essential to boost circulation. And so I actually created a nitric oxide booster called Affirm. And then the essential of sleep, right? When you go to the gym, what I learned is you're actually not building muscle, you're tearing muscle down. And sleep is actually when you rebuild muscle. So you need to get six or eight hours of sleep in order to rebuild muscle. If you're not getting six or eight hours of sleep, don't go to the gym. Don't waste your time because you're basically not going to be getting the benefit of the time that you put in at the gym. 
And then also, um, you know, there's a great chapter by Gary Donovitz, who was this ex-CEO of BioT and founder of BioT on testosterone, right? So if your testosterone levels aren't optimized, then don't bother going to the gym, you know, because you're not going to build muscle because testosterone is the essential growth hormone for men for building muscle. And if you don't have enough testosterone, it doesn't matter how many trips to the gym you make, you're not going to build testosterone. And, you know, what I learned really was the ideal testosterone levels aren't what your local primary care doc or urologist is going to recommend to you. They're going to recommend, you know, get your testosterone between five and 700. But, you know, in my pretty vast experience with testosterone, I understand for a guy over 50, if you want to feel good, if you want to build muscle, if you want to burn fat, if you want libido, you got to get your testosterone between a thousand and 1400. Hmm. What are some of the best ways to increase testosterone? Because you know, you talk about exercise. Is, is exercise uh, obviously helpful in in boosting testosterone? And what what other habits yeah, might help? You know, you know, it is. Um, so generationally, our generation's testosterone is about thirty percent lower than it was fifty years ago, right? And you're kind of scratching your head, like, why is that? But if you think about it, your body only makes what it needs, right? So if you're a, a hunter and you're out on the plane, like trying to kill bison, you need a lot of testosterone because bisons are big and they don't like to be killed, right? If you're a farmer, farmers work hard, but they're not killing bison, but you still need a pretty high testosterone. But if you're sitting in front of a laptop all day uh, and not killing bison and and not as physically active as a farmer is, your body's going to say, well, we don't need that much testosterone. And so your body's not going to expend energy to make a lot of testosterone. And so in general, our testosterone levels are a lot lower than they used to be. Now, if you're exercising, maybe your body's thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm a farmer or maybe, I'm, you know, if you're really lifting hard and, and maybe doing some boxing or whatever, you know, then maybe your body's thinking, well, maybe I'm a hunter and you're going to ratchet up the testosterone levels that your body makes. Uh, and so... You know, that's that's sort of my two cents on what it takes to build testosterone. Now, the other thing is you can take supplements. So I have a supplement called Support, which has DHEA, which is a testosterone precursor. It's got DIM because testosterone gets aromatized into estrogen, right? So people think testosterone and estrogen are two vastly different things. But if you look at the actual molecular structure of testosterone and estrogen, they only differ by a single hydrogen atom. So the smallest unit of matter atomically is the difference between men and women. So you need to block the aromatization of testosterone to estrogen, especially if you're overweight, right? So you do a lot of aromatization of testosterone to estrogen in fat. And then it has some Tonkat Ali. Tonkat Ali actually blocks the conversion of testosterone. Um, I mean, uh, total testosterone into free testosterone. So it increases free testosterone. And then it's got some ashwagandha, which is the other botanical that's been shown to boost testosterone, you know, but even with a really good supplement, you're only going to boost it about 15%. So if you're coming in to see me and you have a testosterone of 300 and you have the clinical symptoms of low testosterone, right? I never treat a patient based on a number. I only treat patients based on symptoms, right? So if you come to see me and your testosterone is 200, but you know, if you're muscular and you're having great sex and you have good energy, I'm not going to touch you. 
But if your testosterone is 500, and I've ruled out all the other things that could be causing your symptoms, uh, I will treat you with testosterone. And I, I've done that plenty of times, and, and guys feel great. TRT? TRT, yeah. yeah. Um, what other markers do you recommend perhaps that get looked at um, from a time to time, maybe every, I don't know, three to six months, maybe that's too often, but are there certain mar- markers other than testosterone that you, that you recommend for male clients? Yeah. I mean, there's sort of standard labs that, um, that everyone gets like a CBC has your hematocrit, which is your blood count. You got your platelet levels. Um, you have what's called a comprehensive metabolic level, which looks at your kidney function, looks at your liver function. Uh, looks at your electrolytes, looks at your albumin, which is a, a protein, a total protein. So, you know, there are sort of standard labs and, and you know, maybe once a year to get those things, because those things don't change all that much. The stuff that changes that I like to look at is, you know, free and total testosterone and estrogen level. Um, you know, you should get a thyroid screen because if your thyroid is low, it can masquerade as uh, low testosterone. You get the same symptoms with a low thyroid as you would with low testosterone. You get the same symptoms if you have, you know, really poor s- sleep habits, you know, sleep apnea or something like that. If you're only getting two, three hours of interrupted sleep every night, guess what? You're tired, you get fat, you get sluggish, your libido goes down, right? Looks just like low testosterone, but guess what? Your testosterone could be fine. It's you're not getting enough sleep, mm. right? You make testosterone when you sleep. It's like uh, my my electric car, right? If I only plug it in for two hours every night, guess what? I can't drive very far. But plug it in for eight hours, guess what? I, you know, I can drive from here to Sacramento or you know wherever I want to go. So it's um it, it's it's about all of your bodily systems kind of working together. And a lot of it's really not that hard. You know, when I talk to my patients or when I go on podcasts, I mean, there are about ten things you can do that are really simple and easy and inexpensive to improve your overall health and fitness, you know, above the level of about 95% of folks. Well, let's hit, let's, let's, let's go into those. Yeah. <laughs> you I probably mean, already mentioned, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you don't drink alcohol, right. You don't do drugs. You don't smoke. You don't eat too much. You don't eat high cholesterol foods. You exercise every day you stretch every day, you meditate, you get enough sleep, and you're nice to other people, you'll be better off than 95% of people. Yeah. And it's really not hard. No, I mean, I think if you stick, yeah, sticking to the basics is important. Those, those fundamentals, you know, sleep, I also would maybe add in, you talk about meditation, like stress management. Um, And even with exercise, like you said, exercise every day. I mean, Probably doesn't need to be necessarily every day, especially like you mentioned, if you're an older, you know, maybe 40, 50 plus year old male uh, or female. Um, what what other things in the book that you came away that maybe, you know, you you changed your mind on certain things or, you know, what other sort of uh, different things that you got from the book that that maybe you didn't have before? Yeah, I mean, there's a really interesting aesthetics section uh, and men. I think reject aesthetics, but there's so many easy things to do uh, for aesthetic purposes that that women do. It's not like you know these aren't high tech new innovation things. 
they're really kind of low tech things that women already do that that we should kind of capitalize on. For example, there's a technology called hydrofacial or diamond glow. And it's basically like sandblasting your face with water. And it digs out all the crap that ends up in our pores. You know, a lot of men are outside working. I have, you know, ex-professional baseball players and tennis players and football players and guys that, you know, do construction. And we get all this stuff in our face and it makes our face look old. And all you have to do is this hydrofacial once a year. And it dramatically improves the appearance of your face or, you know, a little bit of Botox or, or Botox neurotoxin in the, in the forehead and the crow's feet. And it, it takes five years off your face. So, I mean, there's a lot of these kind of uh, aesthetic innovations that are really simple that actually make a huge difference in terms of, of um, appearance. You know, there's a great chapter in the book by Miguel Canales, who's one of the top hair surgeons in the country on basically simple things that you can do to keep your hair. Now, obviously, it didn't work for me or I wrote the book after it was too late by that point. But I mean, taking a biotin based supplement, taking uh, oral minoxidil, using uh, near infrared light therapy, you know, all pretty simple things that can help you keep your hair so that you don't have to take a medication like finasteride which has some very significant side effects in terms of decreased libido. And I even see uh, you know, a fair number of people with what we call post-finasteride erectile dysfunction, where guys totally lose erectile function as a, as a long-term side effect of being on these, uh, these medications. Yeah. What other things that have you implemented into your clinic? I know Brad went in there. I think, did he get a whole treatment, a uh, whole experience? He did VO2 max. Uh, what other yeah, he did, he did yeah. uh, VO2 max. The other thing is um, I'm a huge proponent of M-Sculpt. So I don't know if you know what M-Sculpt is, but M-Sculpt uses high-intensity focused electromagnetic waves, so the creation of electromagnetic fields to contract muscle. And it can build muscle literally 10 to 15 times faster than you could in the gym. You so know, I did a study. Yeah, go, uh, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, I did do a... Um, I went to a place in uh, outside of Chicago that was, I think it's along the same lines. I put electrodes on all over my body and, mm. and, and did a workout, like 10, 15 minute workout. And it's like stimulating the muscle as I'm doing these movements. Is it some, do you know what I'm talking it, you about? Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's kind of like a fancy tens unit, right? So remember back in high school physics, mm. that's direct current. So it's a point-to-point current. So the current takes the path of least resistance. And so when it goes through the electrodes through the skin, the skin is where the pain and temperature receptors are, right? So you can't generate that much electricity because it'll hurt. The other thing is it goes very superficially through the muscle because it's point-to-point. What the technology that I'm using is, which is from a company called BTL, which is a huge Czechoslovakian technology, medical technology company. Uh, it is high intensity focused electromagnetic waves. So it creates an alternating electromagnetic field and you can set the depth of penetration. So it doesn't go through the skin. I mean, the waves go through the skin, but you don't really feel the waves. And what it does is it depolarizes the muscle, right? So muscles work on ionic gradients. Like I'm going to talk fancy doctor talk, but I think you're your listeners are pretty smart. So I'll try to kind of make it appropriate, right? So muscles work on 
ionic gradients, right? So positive and negative ions. And so when your brain wants to move a muscle, it sends an electrical charge down a nerve. An electrical charge is just basically an ionic gradient that runs down a nerve. And then that electrical charge gets to a muscle and causes depolarization of the muscle. So the change in polarity of the muscle causes contraction of a muscle. Contraction means to make shorter, right? And so the if you look at a muscle under the microscope, there's thin fibers and thick fibers, and those thin fibers and thick fibers kind of ratchet alongside each other into a contraction. And a contraction is making muscles shorter, which makes your muscles bigger, right? And so what this technology does is it bypasses the nerves and directly stimulates the muscle, causing a depolarization of the muscle. Right. And so why does it work better than a workout? The reason it works better than a workout is because you have a circuit breaker in your brain that prevents your muscles from working at super high capacities. And the reason for this is that, right, we're animals. So if you think about like a squirrel, if a squirrel, you know, I use squirrels because I have tons of squirrels that in the view outside oh, my window. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're a squirrel and you overexert yourself and you pull a tendon, rupture a tendon, you're dead, right? You can't try, you can't climb trees and you can't get away from hawks. And so you die. And so your brain has a circuit breaker that makes sure that you don't overexert muscles to cause injury. Now, if you're stuck under a boulder and you're going to die anyway, then you generate a massive amount of adrenaline and you generate what's called superhuman strength, that boulder off your body, right? So in very rare occasions where it's basically life or death, you can overcome that circuit breaker because at the end of the day, who cares if, you know, about saving a muscle if you're going to die? Um, but what the machine can do is you can dial up the amount of current or electromagnetic field you can stimulate 100% of the muscle as opposed to, say, 50% of the muscle. And then you can do that for an extended period of time, 20, 25 minutes. And there's part of the protocol that drives out the lactic acid. So you're not sore the next day. And so a lot of, like every pretty much every movie star that you see on in Hollywood with six-pack abs, they're using M-Sculpt. Interesting. So you've, you, um, I'm, I was just looking it up right now. So this is, is this for just mainly commercial use? Pretty much, you probably have to go find a place that does yeah, it. Yeah, I area. mean, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, they're pretty much everywhere these days. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, the interesting thing is the company is really focused on the aesthetic population because the aesthetic population is is shelling out money to look better, uh, but the aesthetic population is about ninety percent women. And so what I do for the company is really promote this to men, because I honestly believe that this by far and away is critical, essential for men. And it's, it's um, you know, what I do in my, in my office is build muscle and burn fat, right? It's easy. Anyone can burn fat, right? Super easy. Just tell, tell your clients to stop eating, right? And you're going to lose fat, but to build muscle at the same time you're burning fat that's hard to do and that's you know that's what we do with our, our combination approach is this something yeah so m sculpt is this something that you do for yourself as well oh yeah i got it for myself yeah i mean it's a quarter million bucks for the machine but i mean you could hit my abs with a baseball bat 
and I wouldn't flinch and I haven't done a sit up in four years. You know, anytime I have a spare moment, I hop on the machine. You can, I can do abs, I can do glutes, I can do biceps, triceps, quads. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Right. When I get stressed out, you can ask my staff when I get stressed out, I go and hop on the machine. Really? And, yeah. and are you like, it's how long are you on it for? Uh, for big muscles, it's half an hour. For small muscles like biceps, triceps, uh, calves, it's 20 minutes. So you're doing this in conjunction to workouts? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't do any biceps or triceps or abs or glutes anymore. I do some glutes, but um, I just focus on other muscles and I focus on cardio. Hmm. And then, you know, what I have in the office is a, a, a body composition scan. And so we follow our patients. So we know, you know, are things working? Are things not working? And, you know, I have a brag book about that thick of all my before and afters for my patients. You know, and it's just so cool to see guys burning fat, building muscle, feeling better about themselves, you know, having better physical intimacy with their partners. Because the thing is, like, there are things that I can do to help fix erectile function or sexual function. But if you don't take good care of yourself and your circulation and your muscles, et cetera, et cetera, those improvements are going to be short-lived. And I want the improvements in my patients to be long-lived. You know, I want to turn my patients' lives around in a very significant way. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think Brad mentioned this to me briefly, but you're the first person to come on to talk about that. Um, what else do you have in your clinic that's that you find effective with clients? Oh, let's see. You know, we do a lot of, well, I just launched a new protocol called the P-Long protocol. Um, and so a lot of guys are interested in improving the length, girth, and function of their penis, especially younger guys, right? Not guys with erectile dysfunction. Guys with erectile dysfunction don't have enough blood flow to even fill up the penis that they have. But uh, for younger guys who have good erections, but for whatever reason want a bigger penis, um, the options that existed before were really limited. And we're really bad. You know, you could use fillers, you could do fat transfers, there's a silicone implant, you can cut ligaments. And I would see patients from all those different technologies that were just disasters. Mm. Um, you know, and you take a guy with a perfectly normal penis that functions perfectly well, and all of a sudden, you know, they have scar tissue, their penises are shorter, they're not functioning well, they look deformed. And so I have a background in cl clinical research. I did research at American Red Cross. I did research at Harvard. I did research at UCLA. And, uh, and so I created a protocol, a clinical research protocol, got IRB approval, got it listed on clinicaltrials.gov, which is the NIH website, and, uh, and got 30 guys and did my protocol of uh, traction device, a suction device, the use of PRP or platelet-rich plasma and my Affirm nitric oxide boosting supplement. And what we found is that after about six months, guys grew their penises about an inch in length, about a half inch in girth, and everyone improved in erectile function. Really? And so, yeah. yeah. So um, I presented it as an oral presentation at the International Society of Sexual Medicine. So a bunch of kind of crazy weird dudes like myself that do research in, in, uh, in sexual function. And, uh, and then I recently published it in Andrology, which is a reviewed journal. And then I got the final 
results also accepted for presentation at the Sexual Medicine Society of North America. You know, which is a big academic meeting of. of uh, and so it's called university. the. Is it a P long? Yeah. Uh, so it's. What's the P, protocol there? It's p longcom and the protocol okay. is uh, a, an injection of PRP once a month, and I'll explain what that is in just a second. Uh, to take a firm, which is a nitric oxide booster, two tablets twice a day, to use a traction device called the Restorex, which is developed by a friend of mine at the Mayo Clinic. 20 minutes twice a day, and to use a penis pump 12 minutes twice a day. And so, you know, the the combination of the traction for length, the suction for girth, the affirm for boosting circulation, and then the sort of magic sauce is PRP. So PRP is platelet-rich plasma, right? So platelets in the body have two functions. One function is to cause a clot, right? Everyone knows platelets cause clots, but the other function is platelets cause regrowth. So say you're out in the garage, you know, putting something together and you cut yourself. And what happens? You start to bleed. The tissue that's damaged sends a bunch of what are called inflammatory cytokines, right? So chemical messages in the body that attract platelets. Platelets get attracted to the area of bleeding and they become activated. There's a lot of calcium that's floating around there and that activates platelets and platelets become activated, they release what are called alpha granules. And alpha granules are packed with clotting factors, but they're also packed with growth factors, right? So, you know, what happens is you form a clot, you form a scab, the scab falls off, and the tissue grows back. And the reason that the tissue grows back is that the growth factors from platelets cause uh, an acceleration of growth from stem cells and other cells to repair tissue. And so we just take advantage of that tissue repair to accelerate the growth of the penis, right? And they they use PRP in orthopedics, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, professional sports right. players. Injuries. They use it. Yeah, right. exactly. They use it in hair growth. They use it in wound healing. Uh, and then a buddy of mine, Charles Runnels, developed what's called the P-shot. So he was the first guy that was brave enough to inject PRP into his penis. And then also the O-shot, right? So that you can inject it into the clitoris to improve sensitivity, to improve orgasmic function hmm. in women. Wow. Interesting. Um, and it's all in the book. <laughs> and, a, and a whole lot more. Yeah. Well, that's, that's uh, yeah, you got a lot in there then. Um, what yeah, type... I got a great chapter by um, yeah. Susan Bratton on how to please a woman. Um, and uh, I mean, all sorts of stuff. What types of, I'm a big routine guy, what types of routines that maybe you implement or that you help your clients implement, you know, maybe a morning or evening routine to help sort of, you know, maybe bring all this all together and help, you know, improve performance and testosterone and, and, you know, male sexual performance as well. What type of routines do you implement? Yeah. You know, I don't get into the weeds like that with my patients. Um, You know, everyone's different. Some people, you know, I live in the Bay area. The traffic's really bad here. And some people go to work at four o'clock. Some people work the night shift. Some people work during the day. And so everyone's got to figure out their own um, routines. I mean, I think you're right. Routines are really essential. Routines are kind of what gets you ahead. Um, And so I get myself into routine and then I get ahead and then I give myself a break. Um, You know, go on vacation or or take a couple days off or do something fun or whatever. So 
uh, you know, routines are really essential, but you have to develop your own routines based on your own sort of the logistics of your own individual. Like I have a little home gym that I build. Some people like going to the gym. It, it really, it really varies. And uh, I know we talked before we went on uh, about VO2 max. Maybe let's hit on that a little bit as a something, maybe a, 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 not a crucial test, but an important test maybe individuals could do to sort of see where they're at um, as far as performance is concerned. Yeah. I mean, VO2 max is really a fascinating test because it, it combines pulmonary function, heart function, muscle function, and endothelial function, right? Endothelial are the, the blood vessels, that, um, the cells that line the inside of blood vessels, right? And really what you're measuring is your aerobic capacity, right? So if you remember back to high school biology, you have fuel, which is glucose. Glucose is formed it combines with oxygen. Well, let me let me back up a little bit. Okay. So the ultimate source of all the energy in the universe is the sun, or our, our universe is the sun, right? Sun shines on the earth, right? And the sun is the source of energy. And we have these things called trees. And trees have this thing called chlorophyll. And what chlorophyll does is it captures the energy of the sun, and it takes carbon dioxide, and it takes water, and it combines them. And so you have carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, and it makes something called glucose, glucose, fructose, sucrose, you know, any sugar. And sugar is basically a battery to store energy. The bonds, the chemical bonds in a sugar molecule stores energy, right? And then so the tree takes all the sun, the water, the carbon dioxide, and it creates sugar, you know, and it puts it in fruit or it puts it in maple sugar or it puts it in whatever. And then animals come along and eat it, right? And so then when animals come along and eat it, it's a source of energy. But how does animals get the energy out of glucose? What they do is they take that glucose molecule and they combine it with oxygen. And when you do that, you get 36 ATPs, right? ATP is a unit of energy in the body. It's adenosine with three phosphates. And the energy in ATP is stored in the bond between the adenosine and the phosphate. And so when you're working out, you release one of the phosphates and that phosphate, that energy that was holding that phosphate, you can harness that energy to help move the muscle, right? And so you need glucose and you need oxygen. Right. And our body stores a lot of glucose, right? So we store it in, in the liver, we store it in the bloodstream. And so say you're walking, you're using about two liters of oxygen, and that two liters of oxygen is matched with glucose and it produces 36 ATPs. Then you start to jog. Maybe you're using three liters of oxygen. Then you start to run then you're using four liters of oxygen. Then you start to run fast. Then you're using five liters of oxygen. Now say all of a sudden a bear jumps out from behind a tree and starts chasing you, right? You got to run faster. So maybe you're able to run, use five and a half liters of oxygen, but that's all your body is able to extract from the air, right? In terms of mm -hmm. your lung function, your, your, your circulatory system, right? And then say a whole family of bears jumps out 
and starts chasing you. And you try to run faster, but guess what? You can only use five liters of oxygen, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a way that your body can manufacture a little bit of energy from glucose, right? It's called anaerobic respiration, right? So respiration or using glucose without oxygen. So you make only two ATPs. Instead of 36, you only make two ATPs. You crack the the glucose molecule in half. You make pyruvic acid or lactic acid. And that acid builds up in your muscles. It starts to burn and you basically run out of gas, right? And so what VO2 max measures is that point where you run out of gas, where your body can't bring in as much oxygen to match to glucose to make that 36 ATPs. It's only making two ATPs. And it's really interesting. So basically we have an exercise bike and we have a a protocol and you ride faster and faster and faster and faster to the point where you you can't ride anymore, Mm -hmm. right? And we have a mask on and we monitor how much oxygen and how much carbon dioxide you produce And it's very, very reproducible. As soon as I see the oxygen curve peak and start to go down, I turn to my assistant, we count to five, and the person gets off the bike, right? Once you hit your aerobic threshold and you're not making 36 ATPs, you're only making two ATPs, you have enough energy for about five seconds, and that's it, right? And that number, that VO2 max, is incredibly predictive for someone's cardiovascular fitness and athletic potential, right? So Vingegaard, the guy that got um, first in the in the Tour de France, he had a VO2 max of 97, a high, oh. the second highest ever recorded, mm. right? I mean, that's insane. But, you know, the guy just crushed everyone in the time trial, right? He beat the field by more than 6%. He beat Pogacar by 3%. He beat the rest of the field by over 6%. I mean that's a insane. Is this is this why you do high intensity interval training to help? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So with high intensity interval training, what you're trying to do is to get your heart rate up and your oxygen utilization up to failure. And so each time you're pushing yourself to your VO2 max, and the theory is if you keep pushing yourself to the VO2 max, then you'll be able to move that number. You know, that one number doesn't, it's, it's some of it you're born with and some of it, you know, uh, you train with, right? So, you know, cyclists and uh, cross-country skiers, especially um, Scandinavian cross-country skiers have the highest VO2 maxes, you know, some endurance or long distance runners have pretty good VO2 maxes. How do you, Um, what do you recommend for interval training? I know I've talked with Brad about this. Um, high intensity repeat training he he's he's talked about before and I'm trying to think of the guest who talked about that um that came on my both of our podcasts but like for example i have a rogue bike you know the, almost all those uh, those heavy duty fan mm. bikes and and i'll do like literally sets of like 10 sec 10 seconds and then i'll rest until i feel like i can give that same amount of effort for the next one um and i'll do that maybe six times um yeah is there, i mean yeah. You know, you should monitor your heart rate so you yeah. can see what your heart rate recovery looks like. Right. Um, but, you know, it's really what you can do without getting hurt. You know, I mean, I used to do it when I was running competitively. I used to do it on the track. I can't do that anymore. Sure. You know, now I do it on uh, 
you know, on a spinner bike, or you can do it on a rowing machine, or if you're a swimmer, you can do it in the pool. Um, but, you know, once you hit 50, your tendons and ligaments start to dry up, right? They start to desiccate. And so you're much, much more likely to injure yourself uh, doing the stuff that you used to be able to do. Like I, I had a good friend, she's ready to run the Chicago marathon and she, she um, trains the, the local running team and uh, someone on our team was being lazy. And so she challenged that person to run up a hill and she beat the kid up the hill, right? The kid was like 17, 18 years old and she's almost 50. But, you know, the next day she's like, oh, you know, I, I think I tore something, <laughs> right? right? You know, and I had to see her in the office the other day to do shockwave on her to try to get her ready for uh, for Chicago Marathon, right? So, I mean, you have to be really, really smart about how you work out yeah. when you're our age. You know, when you're 20, it's like not a big deal. You can do whatever you want. Um, but when you're our age, you really have to be smart because, you know, an injury can take you out for three to six months. And during those three to six months, I've seen with my patients, you put weight on, sure. you get depressed, uh, you know, you don't feel good about yourself. Uh, and so it's really like when I'm exercising, as soon as I feel something not right, I stop and I'll go do something else. You know, if I'm running, I'll go to the bike or I'll go to the rowing machine or I'll go. Now, now, as far as monitoring heart rate, uh, what what should you should you just get an idea of what your max your heart rate max should be, and then, um, you know, how do you sort of walk that line of of you know increasing your potential, and then obviously not overdoing it. Yeah, you know, honestly, uh, there are a lot of trainers that know a lot of this stuff a lot better than I do. Okay. You know, I try to do the zone two, zone five stuff. So basically, I do. You know, I try to get my heart rate up to about 70, 75% of my max, which is 220 minus your age. So if you go 220 right. minus your age, multiplied by 0.75, that's the kind of range I try to do my my long distance training at. And then I, you know, when I'm doing bursts, doing hit training, I try to get to 85, 90% or more on those bursts. And you know, YouTube is like one of the greatest things ever. I mean, you can get your bikes, put a big TV in front of it, go to YouTube, high intensity interval cycle training. And there's like 50 videos from, you know, people that know a lot more than I do on high intensity interval cycling training. Yeah. Okay. Uh, excellent. Anything else? Uh, I noticed you have a company called a firm science. Uh, is that a good place for people to to learn about what you have going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, so we have uh, a great nitric oxide boosting supplement that's really based on really good science. I just read an article for Muscle and Fitness magazine on nitric oxide boosting, right? So some people take beets, some people take citrulline arginine. You know, ours combines beets and citrulline and arginine because your body gets about 50% of your nitric oxide from nitrates, which are basically beets, and 50% from citrulline arginine, which is basically watermelon. And you know, when I was at UCLA, my professor, Lou Ignaro, won the Nobel Prize for discovering nitric oxide as a second messenger. And then he and one of my professors teamed up to write the paper on how Viagra works, which is, so what nitric oxide does is it catalyzes a process that creates something called cyclic GMP. And cyclic GMP opens up blood vessels. So the more cyclic GMP you have inside a cell, 
the more you open up blood vessels. And what Viagra and Cialis do are there's a specific enzyme that's only in the penis called PDE5. And Viagra and Cialis and Levitra are PDE5 inhibitors that block PDE5 and keeps cyclic GMP at high levels, which keeps erectile function going. And so, you know, that's that's why nitric oxide is so important. Now, it's also really important for monitoring blood pressure or helping blood pressure. I get a lot of my patients off blood pressure medications by boosting their nitric oxide levels, right? Because blood pressure medications have a lot of side effects, including erectile dysfunction, right? So if you're on a blood pressure medication and you have erectile dysfunction, you know, it's great to get them on a higher dose of a firm. I typically put patients on two tablets twice a day and have them monitor their blood pressure morning and night, and then transition off their pharmaceutical grade blood pressure medication. And almost always I'm able to keep their blood pressure at good levels, right? And then that Affirm helps with opening up the peripheral circulation, which is where you get erections, and it gets rid of the preferential diversion of blood flow to the central circulation, which is what most pharmaceutical grade blood pressure medications do, which is why you, you get, which it hurts erectile function. Yeah. And that product's called a firm. Yeah. I mean, we also make support, which is a testosterone boosting supplement. We make spunk, which is for prostate health. And we make prelong, which is for premature ejaculation, which is a problem that you know, a lot of guys don't talk about like Bob Dole was out on TV saying, Hey, you know, I have erectile dysfunction, but I don't think you'll ever get anyone out there saying I have premature ejaculation. <laughs> and I've met uh, one person who said that to me. But. Yeah. But typically they're not going out on TV bragging. About it. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a chapter in the book on premature ejaculation and the stuff that you can do about it. But the supplement that we have called Prelong is a natural selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor and SSRIs have been known to reduce um, uh, premature ejaculation. Interesting. Good stuff here, uh, Judson. And uh, the book's called The 21st Century Man. It is. It's on Amazon. Um, is that the best place for people to find that and yourself? Yeah, or you can just go to the 21stcenturyman.com, all written out in letters. Okay. Or you can go to affirmscience.com and you can pick up the book, or you can go to Brandeis MD, B R A N D E I S M D.com. That's my own personal website. And I have a lot of resources there. I have ebooks on uh, testosterone, on performance enhancing drugs. I have uh, ebooks on VO2 max, on, uh, on Botox for the penis, on Shockwave, on my physical rejuvenation protocol. I just, I love putting out educational content for my patients and I love sharing it for free with the, with the world. I have a YouTube channel that you can get a lot of this information on and an Instagram, although, you know, I have people that I pay that post for me on Instagram. Cause I, don't I still <laughs> don't know how to use Instagram. Yeah. And then, I you that. know, if you're, if you're a guy that is interested in, uh, in a, a longer, girthier, better functioning penis, uh, go to p-long.com. Uh, and you can learn about that protocol. Excellent. Lots of great stuff. I uh, I appreciate you coming on podcast and, and sharing it with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. And if you're ever out in Northern California, 
come on by. We'll check your we'll check yeah, your two max. We'll see if he can. Even, I mean, Brad crushed it. He got a fifty-two. Let me man. tell you, he'll he'll beat me. I'm guessing on that. Yeah, I mean, I have a fireman who's forty-one years old that used to play for the Jets, and his VO two max was only fifty-one. Mm. So uh, you know, Brad's killing. Brad, he's he's killing it. Thanks, Johnson. Appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine, and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.